Hi, I'm Erica Housekeeper, publisher of HappyVermont.com. Happy Vermont is a travel blog that I started back in 2009 that highlights places to visit and interesting people to meet along the way. The Happy Vermont podcast is a new project for me, so thanks for being here to listen. There's no doubt about it. The snow is here and it feels like winter, and that means ski season is in full swing. Today I'll be talking about Northeast Slopes, a small volunteer-run ski area in East Corinth, Vermont. Northeast Slopes is home to the oldest continuously operated rope tow in the United States. If you don't already know, a rope tow is basically a ski lift in which skiers or snowboarders are pulled up a ski slope while holding on to a looped endless rope that's driven by a motor. It sounds old school because it is. As you might expect, rope tows have been around for decades. In January 1934, the first rope tow in the country began pulling skiers up a hill on Clinton Gilbert's farm in Woodstock, Vermont. Powered by a Model T truck engine, the tow took five days to build and cost $500. Skiers paid $1 to ride the tow and ski down Gilbert's Hill, and that's really where the age of alpine skiing was born. It's been 86 years since the first rope tow came to life and revolutionized downhill skiing, And even though ski areas have modernized trail access with four-passenger quads and high-speed gondolas, the rope tow continues to stand the test of time, which is really good news. Today, you'll still find rope tows operating at places around Vermont, including Northeast Slopes. Northeast Slopes is located along Route 25. It was founded in 1936 on a piece of farmland. The year the ski area opened, the rope tow was installed on the hill just 22 months after the first one was put in down at Gilbert's Farm in Woodstock. Northeast Slopes now has the oldest continuously operating rope tow in the United States. Part of the original rope tow, which extends 1,250 feet up the mountain, are still in operation, including the wheels, which are from a Model A Ford, as well as wooden wheel spokes from a 100-year-old Cadillac. The rope tow, which around the ski area is just called the big tow, is now powered by a 1960 Ford farm truck. It's also considered the world's fastest rope tow, running at about 15 miles per hour normally, but it has a recorded speed of 27 miles per hour on a world record speed attempt. East of the big tow in the base lodge, there's a second smaller rope tow for beginners that was installed in the 1940s. It's powered by a 1973 Dodge Dart with a slant six engine, they call it the Little Toe, and it runs about 400 feet up a small hill. And uh, I'm going to try to fire it up, cross our fingers, because the engine heater has quit in the last week or two. Uh, but I'm going to pump the throttle, reset the choke, crank it over, and it uh, chugs and sputters like an old locomotive for the first couple of minutes, but then smooths out and just purrs like a kitten all day long. So let's give it a try. That's Wade Pearson, who's about to start the engine of the Little Toe at Northeast Slopes. Wade started skiing at Northeast Slopes as a young child in the 1960s and is now on the ski area's board of directors. He volunteers his time at the mountain. Wade will tell you that nostalgia is one thing people are looking for when they come to Northeast Slopes, 
as people want to know what it was like to ski back in the 1930s or 40s. I met with Wade at Northeast Slopes on a cold January morning to talk about rope toes, what it's like to operate a volunteer-run ski area, and why people love the ski area so much. We keep the records every day. We have to check and certify every one of these switches and put down the date, the conditions, how much gas we put in it, everything. So you grew up in East Corinth and you skied here as a child in the 1960s. Tell me what the experience was like years ago. Uh, what's changed? What hasn't? Um, I started here when I was uh, two and a half or three years old um, over on the beginner slope. Um, my dad was the curator here. He had a auto repair station down the road and had a young family. And one way to get a family pass for skiing for a season was to volunteer your time. So he ended up over those 50 years maintaining the two rope toe um, mechanisms in trade for a season's pass, which of course, once we became adults, that it was irrelevant. He just still did it anyway. So what was the rope toe like for you? And what's the experience like for little kids? Um, so I remember coming here as a very young skier, sidestepping and heronboning the, the little toe slope and coming down and going back up and coming down. And then eventually, uh, it's a big accomplishment for kids to go up the rope toe as much or maybe even more than it is to come down. That's what we find uh, with, with the rope toe. Because uh, it is can be challenging. There's a lot of instruction. Um, it goes pretty fast, but we can slow it down. And we see that day after day, youngsters um, getting to the top after several or sometimes many failed attempts and they get to the top and you just see their arms in the air, you know, in victory. <laughs> if you're small, when it goes up over the pitch of the hill where the rope is down in a groove, it's very, very heavy. So you try to get a couple friends together and kind of gang up on it and show it who's boss. Um, it just drags your, your wrist all the way down to your ankles <laughs> when you're going up over there. And then it lightens up to where the unloading zone is and then you've made it. And then ski down and, and repeat and <laughs> go back up back down again. But then as we get a little bit older, and it's not much older, if you can convince an adult to let you go between their knees and get on the big toe, and that was big time when you did that. And the big toe, you know, you can get off, there's different levels here, you can get off a third of the way, two thirds of the way, the tree line or the very top. And uh, so that was a big deal to be able to get up there, and then the adult would just turn you loose and you were on your own accord to make your way back down. And that's kind of how you learn to ski. I mean, obviously we had lessons and people that taught us the finer points, but it was sink or swim once you dropped off at the top. Ski areas have certainly changed over the past 70 or 80 years. What were things like years ago here? And when were you seeing the big crowds? Um, I think we used to see overall or up until recently, bigger crowds in the 60s and 70s. I think it was more of a thing to do on weekends and, you know, families and, and people of the surrounding communities. This was, this was the place to be. And that really was true from, I think, the, the, the inception in, in 36 and the early 40s, uh, right up through. This was a ski area, um, even though it's small by today's standards. This is what they were. This is what skiing was in 1936 and 1942, um, even into the 50s, until the big areas came you know, in the 60s and chairlifts and gondolas. And, and then it certainly shifted. You have two rope toes and a newer T-bar. So tell me about the investment of the T-bar and 
when you installed that? We were able to get um, the parts and pieces of two separate T-bars, and it took years and years to raise the funds. And uh, finally, there was a uh, donor, considerable donor, that finished up what we needed for money, and then it gave us a green light to go ahead, and that was a couple years of finishing off pieces and sandblasting and painting towers and then having a contractor come in and do the footings and, and uh, you know, all under state supervision and, and engineering. Uh, so now we have a T-bar and we're, in, we're entering our 11th season with a T-bar. And that is really what's brought Northeast Slopes to the forefront as, as far as small ski areas go. The ski season got off to a bit of a slow start. Um, when did you open for the season this year? We opened here last Sunday, which was the 5th of January. So it seems a little late, but we've seen that trend as of lately. Later seasons, later opening, and then later closings. Um, we could not believe that we absolutely filled the parking lot and the lodge, and the lifts and lift signs were full all day. And we had even given kind of a dismal conditions report overnight that we did you know not to expect much. And when I got here about daybreak, uh, it started to shift and a little bit of snow we got, which we were predicted to get three or four or five inches. We got a slushy inch here at the bottom and a couple at the top. And it he adhered down and dried out and the more skiers skied on it, the better it got. And we never skied down to a bare spot on the whole hill. And as you can see now, it's it's uh, looks pretty pristine. But unfortunately, we have another rainstorm coming this weekend. <laughs> but we'll take the day to time as, as we can and and ski accordingly. So who skis at Northeast Slopes? I mean, do you get people from all over? Yeah, so there was a downswing, I think, in crowds and being just a local ski area to now coming back to where um, we have a guest book here and people come from all over uh, to at least come here a, a time or two a year and experience this kind of nostalgic experience of what skiing used to be like. And I've had kind of a, a watchful eye on the crowd. I like to observe things like that. And so I work Wednesdays, which is our half day. And I think I've got a certain clientele that comes on Wednesdays. Um, a lot of uh, young to middle-aged men's groups, <laughs> even if they're small groups, tend to congregate here. Um, there's a gentleman, I believe, uh, an older gentleman from Austria that just like loves to come visit and ski with us. And he doesn't say much, but goes run after run. And he just says that reminds him a lot of when he was growing up. Uh, in Austria, and he loves to come here, especially Wednesdays, although I saw him here opening day when we had that big crowd. Um, but I, I, it is true that I often do not see the Wednesday folks on here on weekends and vice versa. I think they're two different crowds. Weekends, obviously, are the, you know, the, the nuclear family, working moms and dads, kids are in school and are not doing Wednesdays. Um, we do get some kids here at noon on Wednesday. Um, seems to be the, the front desk at the school gets a lot of notes for dentist appointments on Wednesdays, especially if there's a little powder coming down. <laughs> so lots of dentist appointments on Wednesdays. And we'll see those kids. And we do run an, uh, a bus down here after school. So they don't get here till fairly late. And then we'll stay open as late as we can to the daylight. Uh, so they get as many runs as they can. But we'll have a couple dozen kids come down from the school. And that's of all, all ages. And quite often their siblings from high school or even their parents will meet them here and uh, back into it. And that's one thing we've seen that has helped us as well is this school program we're doing. I think this is the fifth or sixth year we've been doing this middle school ski program is uh, we have found that the parents are reliving their youth by now they're getting back into it. Now their kids are into it. Uh, so we're seeing full families 
you know, multiple generations. Um, right, just Wednesday, uh, we were open, and there was a less than three-year-old here with his mom who grew up here. She was with her mom who grew up here, and the great-grandmother was here that grew up skiing here, you know, observing. But the, but the grandmother, the mother, and the child were all skiing together over on the beginner slope. I really love that feeling of tradition and family here. It's, it's this place where you're bringing people together and you're really embracing the way skiing used to be. As I mentioned earlier to listeners, Northeast Slopes has the oldest continuously run rope tow in the United States. Possibly North America, but in the U.S. as far as we know, because you go very far south of here, <laughs> North America, there's probably not too many. There were some in Quebec that were earlier, but they've since been gone. And as far as New England or the state of Vermont, uh, Woodstock, which is now Suicide 6, um, is not in the same location, nor do they have a rope tow and haven't had for, for you know, many, many years. Uh, they were open a year and a half or 22 months before we were. And um, the actual the same engineer who put up their rope tow uh, was commissioned to come up and put up this one. And uh, David Dodd from West Newberry. It's also rumored <laughs> that... Uh, and from good sources, that he had that prototype in his field in West Newberry before Woodstock opened as a private tow and had it pretty well figured out. And then when, you know, the white covered Woodstock Inn, it was known as the white covered back then, once they knew um, that somebody had one of these things and they'd heard about them in Quebec and heard about them in, in Scandinavia, uh, they commissioned him to come down immediately and put up about 1,800 foot rope tow in, in, in Gilbert's farm which is actually just outside of Woodstock and Pomfret. Uh, and then it wasn't too long before this hill uh, was noticed for its amount of snow and snow coverage when surrounding towns had bare ground. And that's how it actually came here. It was actually slated to be in Bradford, Vermont, the next town down. And the year they were going to open um, was snowless right up until nearly the end of December. And one of the president of the Bradford Winter Recreation Club drove by and saw this hillside pasture just covered with like six or eight inches of snow and he had a, a meeting in Montpelier but stopped on his way back to the, the farmer and uh, they shook hands and the rest was history they were they were skiing that weekend yep how much snow do you get and what's the elevation here the base lodge is at about 800 feet and we boast 360 feet vertical uh, and that's on a 1,400 foot T-bar and a 1,250 foot rope toe. And then our beginner slope is 400 feet. So if you do the math from the 1,250 foot rope toe and 360, that's a pretty steep pitch overall. So it's, um, we have a little of everything here. How much snow we have is hard to judge because we just take it as we, uh, take it as we get it. Uh, right now, obviously, we probably don't have more than a three to four inch base on most of the hill. Uh, but that's compacted and it has been wet. Um, and it's a good base, so we think we're going to be okay with this rainstorm that's coming. Um, we can survive a few of those. Natural snow tends to permeate rain and handle it much better than, than man-made bases. Uh, we, it, it would take a lot before we start seeing the overflow of blue ice and, and treacherous conditions. So it's a survivor. I, I believe natural snow skis much better, um, and it can be revived much, much easier. Um, we see that over and over again. You know, if we start getting a, a base after a rainstorm or something that's, that's a little hard and ready to go, just an inch or two of, of natural snow on that and then till it in, uh, we end up with some excellent corduroy that, that really, really gets the job done. Last year, when I spoke to you about the 
85th anniversary of the first rope tow, and we talked about the rope tow here. And one of the things you said to me was, um, what makes the rope tow here, you know, what draws people is sort of this feeling of nostalgia and that people want to experience kind of like what it was like skiing maybe in the 30s and 40s. Um, I just would love to hear from you about what do you think makes the the uh, rope toe, rope toes really, because you have two of them here, right? Um, what makes them so special and why do they attract people? Again, I think it is partially the, the nostalgia effect of it. Um, so many ski areas are commercialized and they have the the RFD card, you know, is in your pocket. You don't actually have to see anybody at the counter. You don't actually have to talk to anybody at the lift line. You can just go do your thing. Uh, and that is exactly the opposite here. You're gonna you're gonna see one of the girls at the counter, you know, it's the same girl that flips the burgers, the one that's gonna give you a, a real paper ticket that's gonna go on your bail. Um, a lot of the kids go to school after skiing and that's a badge of honor. They've got a Northeast Slopes ticket on their hanging on their jacket. And when the toes are both going, as well as the T-bar, um, we find people, um, are really attractive, especially to the, the big rope toe, which we just call the big toe, uh, it's really high speed. Um, we have a banner here, I don't have it up right now, but we we pulled our legal speed limit chip out of it and, and some board directors wrote it. And we wanted to just, uh, it was a promotionary thing, but live on the radio, uh, did a, a, a speed run to see how fast it'd go because we were finding that people of my generation and beyond said, oh boy, when I was a kid growing up here, you know, we just, flew we actually went up faster and we came down quite often we even took jumps on the way up um and they said i said you know you're right you're right i mean the state regulations have slowed us down somewhat but it's still really really fast so in our record uh breaking attempt we were 20 a little over 27 miles an hour but our legal speed is 15 and that's still pretty darn fast Mo the average skier thinks they're doing 80 miles an hour they really i think the average skier skis at about 14 miles an hour downhill so you're going you literally are going up faster than you come down quite often um and people can just say that they've ridden this rope toe it's high speed uh it's not a little slow you know handle toe that a lot of places have and they are making new ones now there's a company in austria that are and they're they're installing them here and, and all over the world um but they're just you know slow little things even our little toe goes six or eight miles an hour on, on the average, we can slow it down for beginners to whatever they want, but we we try to keep it a pretty good clip. You know, the quicker you get up, the, the more runs on the way down. The big toe is the older one that was installed back in 1936. What about the little toe? And what are the truck or car engines that you are using to power the rope toes? The big toe is the original um, lift that was put in and 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 singular. You know, it was the, the only one that was here for a while. We don't have the exact date of when the little toe went in, but it wasn't too much long after that. I think it was probably late 40s. Uh, there's a video that exists on our backstory page uh, where you can watch it. I've watched it a hundred times and I just get a bigger kick out of it every time um, where you can see the little toe is there. And I really think it was older than 1950, that video. I think it's more like by look at the cars and the equipment. I think it was more like late 40s. And the little toe was there, um, but I did notice that there's no engine or car at the bottom. And talking historically to uh, some people who used to be here uh, and help operate it, uh, it was a small two-cylinder Wisconsin baler engine at the top. And it, they would just go up and get it fired up, and it would just run all day long. And because uh, that the line at the little toe in the video shows it's just the, the, just, just the pulleys and the rope at the bottom and no, no engine. And, of course, we've had different power plants at the bottom of the big toe starting out with a 
an old Rio truck engine and then finally on to some kind of a Ford and then a 36 Chevrolet uh, farm truck, which at the time was the farmer's farm truck seasonally. And then because they just put them away, the roads weren't fit for farm trucks then. So he would just drive it into the shed, jack it up, take the wheels off. And then the, the rigging, the, sh the shiv rigging would go onto the back, the pulleys and the chains right in pl place of the tires. And that's exactly how we run the truck we have in there now today. Tell us about how Northeast Slopes is a volunteer ski area and how that came to be. Well, in, in my lifetime, it has always been volunteer. Uh, it was not, as I said, this was a ski area. This was a happening place, and like a lot of places were. Uh, so it was a for-profit business for the first 30 years, probably. Um, when a lot of them started going under, you know, every little rope toe on a farmer's field or whatever, and then insurance companies came in, you know, late 60s, early 70s, and the big areas started, and those all started to fade away. And it became very apparent very quickly that, if we continue to have salaries for either maintenance or lift operators, that we weren't going to be here very long. So board of directors got together, um, incorporated Northeast Slopes, and decided from here on in, um, except for some of the services we hire in for maintenance, for some of the heavier duty stuff on the lifts, uh, which we do actually do most of the stuff ourselves, um, this was going to have to be a volunteer operation if it was going to survive. And that's exactly how we survive today. Um, every board member right down to the uh, groomer and the little toe operator. They're all on the same salary base. Goose egg. <laughs> so, and that's how we, we, we like it. Nobody's getting paid. It's all out of the love of skiing, you know, you know from the heart. And uh, later on today, we have uh, about 55 kids coming from the local middle school. And at the end of the day, um, a lot of those kids, about a third of those kids are have never skied before. Maybe not, maybe would not have had the opportunity, especially today's ski industry. Uh, end of the day, when they get back on the bus, that's, that's where the pay comes in. We have 11 board members, uh, one of which I, I am one of them. And then from there, we have an array of lift operator type volunteers and groundkeeping type volunteers. So we'll have some work sessions in the fall where we clear trails and cut back the brush and do weed whacking. Um, we have somebody that, that uh, a professional that comes and does a lot of the brush hogging and, and mowing, which keeps the, the slope, you know, looking like a golf course most of the time. Uh, so we have a couple dozen lift operator type volunteers. And so we have a mailing list, email, you know, mailing list that goes out and we have a Google calendar and people can plug themselves in as needed. Um, we'll have a director every day. So one of us signs up to be the director, director of the day. And then we need to fill in anywhere from six to eight spots or half day spots throughout the day. Uh, now somebody could sign up for both of those and do all day if they want. And, and a lot of people do, but some people come from, you know, nine 30 to 1230 and other people come in at 1230 and, and work till four. And the only incentive we have, or pay, if you put it, is uh, a half day of lift operating will get you um, a meal, which could include a nor'easter burger, and uh, and uh, the re the remaining half day ski ticket. That's your pay. And speaking of burgers, someone told me that you guys have the best burger in the state. Is, is that true? I believe so. Um, I've tried them here and there, and. Uh, not to be in direct comparison or anything, but I get mine on a, any, any day I'm here, um, except for today. <laughs> uh, and I just sit back when I have one of those and just cannot believe how good it is. It's, uh, there's a local 
butcher, slaughterhouse, and have you, you know, processor over in Haverhill, New Hampshire, PT Farms, and they bring in both Vermont and New Hampshire, uh, I believe organically grass-fed beef. And it makes, I think that makes all the difference. And they'll do a custom grind of what you want your, your content, your grind content and everything. Uh, so that standalone by itself is one aspect. And then usually the first thing that's happening is you get out of your car and come across the parking lot if the wind's blowing the right direction is the sauteed onions blowing across the parking lot. <laughs> so caramelized sauteed onions, um, a slice of cheddar, Cabot cheddar cheese, and then there's a local bakery in Bradford called the Colatina Bakery, which makes a, a airy, light um, Kaiser-type bun that gets sliced up and either grilled or not. And uh, that makes up a Nor'easter burger. And please don't ruin it with ketchup or mustard because it's it's a standalone, <laughs> standalone, unadulterated meal in itself. Yeah. So a lot of people love the ski area. A lift ticket costs just $15. You've got really nice terrain and you serve these amazing burgers. I'm totally sold. For someone who's never been here and maybe needs more convincing, what would you say to them about why they should come to Northeast Slopes? Well, for one thing, and it doesn't come down to just price. And whether you're paying $115 a day or $15 a day, you should be able to enjoy where you go. And I believe it should be, you know, obviously an outdoor, but also Vermont. And Vermont is full of personal experiences. And that's one of the aspects you'll get here. Even if we had a, even if you only came today on the bunny slope or just, you know, sidestepped and heronboned and, and did some gliding because it was your first time and never even get a hold of the, you know, the little toe rope or anything or rode the T-bar. Uh, that's the first, that's the first thing you're going to experience. After that comes the natural snow, which most of the time there's no snow like natural snow. When it's good, it's very good. And there's, there's no substitute for that, I think. Um, the other thing is, is as a skier, uh, I think Northeast Slopes is very unique. There's even an old flyer that we have record of that when it was a for, for profit business and his advertisement was, which he was sending, you know, as far south as Boston and, and New York was New England's most interesting terrain. And that still holds true. If you watch that old video and then come here today, you could, you could pencil trace every contour and hill and knoll that's here in valley because um it was a side hill pasture so it was kept clear in those days for cows during the summer um and it just has so many rolling undulations and knolls and valleys and we've expanded out into the woods where there's some you know really steep drops at the bottom our face is above the little toe and and there's some really high you know very short duration but black diamond drops here um, which is unusual for some small areas. Some places are really, they'll have three or four or five trails, uh, but it's very limited, you know, of what you're experiencing. You're, you're on snow, top to bottom, uh, but here you could ski here for years and probably not ski the same line twice. What do you love most about Northeast Slopes? I think the people and the community um, and surrounding communities that really embrace it, um, not only financially, but the volunteers, um, equipment donations to come help us do work, um, that, that keep it looking like it is, and you know the mowing, the brush hogging, uh, when groups of people show up and we just feed them a potluck lunch, and, and but everybody works for four or five hours during the fall, um, and then again the volunteers that, that come in and do the lift operating, um, and again maintenance and just and also we'll show up and the and the entire parking lot is plowed. 
We're not even sure who did it. <laughs> we have a plow track here. I haven't used it yet this year. Yeah, and, and uh, I suspect I know who's, who's doing it, but, <laughs> but a lot of things just get done like that. And when, at the end of the day, um, that's, that's really appreciated. What do you think the future holds for the ski area? Well, if we can keep the lifts turning, um, attract volunteers, and it is very hard. That is probably our biggest, I won't call it a downfall, but maybe deficit is being able to attract volunteers. People's lives are so busy, mine included, uh, finding that, you know, even four or five hours a week or even for half a shift or all, or all day, even if you only do it a couple times a month, it's been difficult. We get a lot of people, a couple dozen trained and certified as we have to do every year to be a lift operator, um, but to reel them in and have them find that day you know, quite often it's the 11th hour sometimes before that schedule is filled. And, and it always seems to, uh, or most always seems to get filled, um, but it's, um, it, it can be difficult. So as long as we keep the volunteers coming um, and we don't get out-regulated or anything um, and nothing serious happens here that would jeopardize our existence, then uh, we have a lot of support. Um, our mortgage got donated back to us, so we don't have a mortgage. That's important. Our equipment's all paid for. Um, we just purchased new ropes for the rope toes last year, so that that was a major pur purchase. Um, but time is time, and people's time is probably the biggest asset, um, and hopefully not a deficit or liability, but but asset. Even the maintenance, we're doing almost 100% of our maintenance or or annual maintenance, even on a T bar, we're doing ourselves. That probably, if you added everybody up, which we don't, is well into the hundreds of hours a year in the off season, um, meeting the state regulations, the record keeping, uh, everything that has to be done and maintained on the T-bar before we start the first day. When I pulled into the parking lot today, I saw you driving near the base on your snowmobile. What were you up to? Preparing for today's, uh, for the school kids to come down, um, opening up the cat shed. We have the majority of their skis in our plow truck and a ski rack in the back of their plow truck. So when they get here and get off the bus, we just open it up and the teacher, they hand them out like library books. They all get their names on them. So we've got that down pat. It's really efficient. And I think that's a good learning operation for the kids, too, to see, you know, that we're not, you know, in the lodge. We're not, you know, then putting our boots. They come out of the classroom with helmets and ski boots, dressed to go. They get off the bus, clunking down the stairs, are handed a pair of skis. They come up here in front of the deck, in front of the lodge. They snap in. They go to their groups, and we ski. And we ski till 10 or 15 minutes before dismissal, and we pull them off the hill, and they snap out of their skis, put them in the racks or in the truck, back on the bus and back to school. <laughs> Very they know the drill. That's great. So tell me about some of the events you have here during the ski season. I know the Northeast, we, we don't have lodging. We don't have any uh, slope, slope side condos. <laughs> we have slope side parking and that is popular during some of our special events like Winterfest. It's uh, I think February 15th this year. That's that's a really nice event and even a nice event for non-skiers. We'll have sleigh rides and a band on the deck and and uh, outdoor barbecue and, and that's just a really nice day for to get other people, people other than skiers here as well. Plus it's a really big ski day for us too. And we do have um, I guess getting back to the rope toe, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned to you, but we, we do have a really unique historic race that we do here, kind of a vintage race. <clears throat> we found in some of our ar old archives in 1938, which is only two seasons after they started, a lot of ski areas and even not, not ski uh, areas with lifts were hosting novelty races. Mount Mansfield had one, 
Um, Tuckerman's Ravine had Inferno. Um, these are so out west. They had the lunar as that's under the moon, I think. And they do it in July or something, but they still have some snow. So this one was never named, but we found it in the paper the week before describing the race. And then the week after we found the results and it was, we thought it was very unique. And so we probably are approaching our sixth annual great up and downhill race. And, uh, it consists of single bamboo slalom course from top to bottom. And this runs parallel to the big toe in a tight slalom, uh, you then turn 180 degrees at speed under motion, grab the rope and go back to the top and then do a, and then do a, a flat out downhill, which would be equivalent of a, maybe a super G uh, today, back to the bottom. And that is your timed event. It's, it's kind of like a three-legged uh, timed event. We've had a lot of fun with that. Um, we had just two people that were champions the first three or four years, switching back and forth. And then finally last year, uh, the Ford Sayer Hanover group came up and uh, one of their seniors ended up taking it. And uh, you get a sap spout on a piece of bailing twine for a medal, <laughs> painted appropriate gold, silver, and, <laughs> and bronze colors. And then your name is emblazoned forever on the uh, galvanized sap bucket hanging out on the shed. <laughs> uh, this year is February 15th. Saturday, February 15th is our main day. Watch, of course, our website in case it gets changed, you know, what weather promoting and that's the beginning of our february vacation for the schools here so our our hope is to be open that whole week um, and then we close that week on a sunday with our annual cardboard box race and that's fun for non-skiers to to build and, and paint up a box our rules are on our website and and just come in and we groom off a, a little bit of a drag strip up there and we run them off round robin uh, four at a time uh single elimination and uh We've had some pretty eventful box races here as well. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little, we, we try to just bring in people, you know, uh, events for, for, again, other than just skiers to, to, to get people to come here and enjoy, enjoy Northeast Slopes. Yeah. If you're looking to ski at a small independent ski area that's big on community, history, rope toes, and lots of winter fun, put Northeast Slopes on your list of places to try this winter. You can learn more at northeastslopes.org. Thanks for listening to the Happy Vermont podcast. Do you have memories of riding a rope toe? Have you ever been to Northeast Slopes? Send me comments, story ideas, or feedback at hellohappyvermont.com. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, enjoy the snow. 